Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another special episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we usually take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, uh, it is the end of the decade, and we are continuing our series on the end of the decade. Last time we did the top video games that came out in the last 10 years, and now we are talking about the top TV shows. Again, bending the format of this show as much as possible but uh hey tv is related to movies and i mean come on we we wanted to talk about all of these shows that we love so much and what better way to do it than do a crossover with our other podcast bird road podcast which yes has been a little bit of a hiatus lately but me and Q were always talking about tv shows honestly part of the reason piecing it together was even born was out of us constantly turning the conversation on to TV and then I would turn it on to movies and I always wanted to talk about movies instead of politics and then uh, I started my own podcast but uh, Bird Road we're gonna we're gonna do some more Bird Road in the future I think I mean I don't know Q would probably disagree with me but it might happen it might happen actually we're supposed to record some this weekend so we'll see what happens with that but I uh, do want to remind you uh, well before I remind you about all the stuff I always remind you about I do want to let you know that Q edited this one for uh, Bird Road. We posted it up on there uh, a week ago. So this one was not edited by me. So it might be a little different in the flow and feel of things. So, you know, just uh, just keep that in mind. But Q is a consummate professional and does an amazing job when he does this stuff. So I'm sure it came out amazingly. So remind you to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. And also make sure to check out Bird Road Podcast where, like I said, there might be a new episode coming up soon. Maybe. Well, Q's made some without me. Uh, He doesn't even tell me about that, but I'm glad he's doing that. And I think we're going to make a new episode soon. So go subscribe to Bird Road. So, Dave, why don't you explain to people what we're doing here, like what the what the subject matter uh, of today's episode is? Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm piecing it together. We mainly just talk about movies, shows, come, TV shows come up every once in a while. But uh, I wanted, as we're getting to the end of the decade here, obviously we're doing a top 10 movies of the decade list on piecing it together. Uh, but I'm also doing a top 10 uh, film scores of the decade. I'm doing a top 10 video games of the decade. And I thought it would make sense to do a top 10 TV shows of the decade. And of course, Q is the person to do that with because Q and I 
uh, we talk about TV a lot, and so it made a lot of sense to do this with him. And then, even though we've been on a little bit of a bird road break lately, uh, he kind of took the reins and sent me a big old little thing in Google Docs to fill out with a whole bunch of information and to. Uh, I just really realized, fill this is this a good way for me to be able to pawn off editing onto you? Can yeah, I, I mean, you? you're getting a bird road episode <laughs> edited by me because of this whole shindig that we're doing. so apologies in advance everyone for when the <laughs> for when the 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 drift kicks in at like the 24th minute and just continues for like another uh, like 18 minutes i promise that wouldn't be my fault <laughs> oh my god no drinking beer <laughs> so uh, yeah. tv's my shit dave it's not I so know. much your shit anymore you and i used to watch tv constantly I try to fit um, in a little TV here and there, but it's just, I, I can't do it. It's really one hard. Of the, one of the things I realized in like looking at this whole decade of television is that I didn't watch TV in the previous decade. Mm. I had some cult things that you and I basically wore the DVDs out of. Yeah. Um, Stella, Strangers with Candy, uh, Upright, Upright Citizens Brigade, like maybe 10 or 15 different movies, Death to Smoochie, shit like that. Mm. We would just like come home. After a night of living actual life, right, at exactly. like two or three in the morning, <laughs> and just fall asleep to the DVD menu of you know, uh, a Fight Club or something. I don't know, or like a. Uh, well, let's be honest. Most of the time, it was Strangers with Candy. I Strangers mean, with Candy. More than was anything. the DVD mu- the DVD music that we woke up to with like Cotton Mouth and uh, <laughs> like you know with the with the sun peeking in. Wake up and eat cold pizza. <laughs> Wake up and eat cold pizza. It barf um <laughs> but that all changed in this decade for for me at least in a way that um like i really am i think like a connoisseur of tv i'm really not doing the things i used to do i'm not going out at night my my life such as it is happens in between the hours of like seven in the morning and like nine o'clock at night mm. um it's it's a, a much sort of more compact life and i wonder if that happened to everybody um, I had put on this list of like topics for us to talk about and get into as we sort of go through a few like sort of obligatory categories before we jump into our top 10 list. I just wanted to say like, what do you think happened? I mean, taking the all the bread and circuses, right? What they mm-hmm. say, the entertainment, the distractions, the thing, things that keep us, I don't know, like make life worth living or whatever. Right. Um, the sort of fulfilling and unfulfilling community work. Uh, you know, going out and being physically active. First time you and I ever hung out, actually, you don't remember this, but it was on a basketball court. Um, and uh, that Sunset seems Park. Highly unlikely. No, it was. It was at Sunset Sunset <laughs> Park in Las Vegas, in uh, Henderson, Nevada. And um, yeah, we had met in other places, but we hung out on a basketball court and played basketball uh, with a bunch of other guys. Um, nice. Who does that anymore? Who's out <laughs> with their friends playing basketball? Like, like. I have to imagine somebody is, and we're just too old. And that, I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. Um, I have another answer, but I do think the main one is, you know, as far as for you so and like I. So what happened? Yeah, that's yeah, the we, question. We, is like, what got, happened with, we got with older. this decade of television? That's the main thing. But no, what happened with television itself, I really, truly do think it, the answer is Netflix. I mean, like, so much content it, that it's impossible there's so much constantly and and it's not not just netflix's output but every other network and studio has to compete with what netflix is doing so 
you've got Netflix upping the amount by multitudes over what, you know, any kind of just regular, you know, uh, sitcom or whatever network show used to be able to do. And now everyone else has to catch up with them. So they all have way more content at the same time. So there just becomes just so many shows all at once. And I, it's exhausting. You know? For me, it's crazy the combinations of things where it was like there used to be these novel things where it was like, oh, this is the TV show that's about war. And then it's like, oh, this is the TV show that's about a bar. Right. And now right. there'll be like, this is the TV show that's about zombies, but in ancient Japan <laughs> and also an alternate planet. Like, yeah. it, it, like there's like te- every show is 10 things or it's IP, which I guess in that way, it's the same as movies. Sure. Well, that's another thing, too, that happened over this last decade. And again, it, it this stuff really did happen this decade. It's an interesting decade to talk about uh, because this has been the biggest change, I think, for television since, you know, God, like, I don't know, like 70s or something. But uh, the another big thing is TV becoming more and more like movies, which I I don't particularly agree with that it's anywhere near as good as movies. But I know that for most people... TV is basically just more movies and yeah you know and and that I mean what was there the Sopranos and maybe a couple other shows but yeah. now that's every show it's I think if you look show. back at what was con- what was considered sort of that like early prestige TV when before that word was even a thing yeah. where ev- almost everything now with any decent budget every channel has a quote unquote prestige show and they all sort of melt into each other mm. they're not that unique they use the same color palettes and yeah, they evoke the same things, but like, there's so much of them. There's so many of them. And then you throw in all the streaming services too. But like, if you look at a show that was really groundbreaking, like, I don't know, did you ever watch Oz? I never did. But yeah, I mean, I, I know that it's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, it was. I mean, like, it, to watch it now, it's a little hokey and corny because they hadn't really figured out the algorithm of how to make those, you know... I don't know what the, how to even put them. They're like these sort of Damon Lindelof approved style, mm. like uh, Tony shows. They hadn't figured out how to make that the leftovers yet. And the closest thing that was around was the Sopranos. And um, so that was the most critically acclaimed television. And now you watch it today and it's a little shoddy and a little hokey. The first couple of seasons of The Wire actually kind of look bad, <coughs> which is about. Which is the worst thing you'll ever get me to say about The Wire. Right, But, yeah. like, the 2000, the, these two seasons that were, I guess, produced in, like, 2002, 2003 of The Wire, compare them to just, like, a run-of-the-mill stars show. And that show today looks a lot better. Right. Um, <clears throat> it could never match its narrative depth or, like, everything else about it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the other question I wanted to talk to you about is on the topic of, like, those tropes like what what's what's finished and this might even be able to extend for you to movies like i wanted to talk about the way that things have fallen out of out of style or like no, no longer in vogue um maybe some of it has to do with like wokeness or just generally like more awareness of <clears throat> of other perspectives and maybe just some humor has turned passe this is a topic that we talk about all, all the time sure the yeah. one that i would say is like is like the uh the the lone problematic man and mm. everybody has to like learn to live with him i i don't know how many more times you can tell that story how many more walter i've already seen the story of walter white i've already seen the story of tony soprano i don't know if i really care about 
you know, the the dime store versions of all of them. Um, I don't know. What 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 do you think? Well, what are yeah, some tired tropes that you have had enough of. I was thinking about this question, and to to be honest, like. I kind of don't think anything is finished, and that is partially uh, because of like what I was just saying about the, uh, the sheer amount of content. There's still going to continue to be basically everything. I mean, I almost would have said like the extreme like shock comedy of you know the early two thousands, the uh, you know the I I guess like the Man Show and shit like that, yeah. like a lot of Comedy yeah, Central. Fun. That that's basically done, but it's not completely. That's more gone. of a format, but yeah, I guess it's also the content itself. Right, the content itself is like kind of a thing, and I mean, it still kind of lives on. There's still a Comedy Central roast every year. There's still, uh, I mean, I think Tosh Pointo is still on the air. Is it? God I mean, somebody still kicking around. Yeah, somebody watches it. You I know? bet you that. The, didn't we have a joke where we talked about how there's probably still like one and a half million people out there that just watch that every week? Yeah, I mean, there's still an audience for it, so it's still getting made. And yeah, it has definitely diminished, but I don't think anything has fully gone away. I was almost gonna say sitcoms at one point, but. You know, the, yeah, they've fallen out of favor, but they're still there. You know, they're still getting Honestly, made. if it wasn't for, and we'll mention this show later, but <clears throat> if it wasn't for, in the last three or four years, if it wasn't for BoJack Horseman, I would say I would say animation. Like, grown-up animated shows. Certainly I know a lot me. of people shit on BoJack Horseman, but I, I'm entertained by it. I think it's smart enough. It's not, it's not it as smart as everybody pretends it is. And it's funny. It's funny enough. It's got good parts and the absurdity... Is, I is saw great. it was just uh, given the number one spot on a list somewhere. I forget what it was, like maybe Variety, the best TV shows. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, it's, good. Really? it's good. And honestly, for, for this decade, I can't think of another good um, animated show that came out that I would really say is like up there with that. I mean, there's right. a, there was a whole slew of like fine animated shows at the beginning of the um at the beginning of the decade when Adult Swim was still trying to make stuff and yeah, yeah. before they just started replaying everything was Fox Fox mm-hmm. original shows um anyway I, I would say <clears throat> I would say that that BoJack Horseman is like the the other the other thing that's maybe preventing me from saying that animated movies are done animation might be done that whole kick from like I don't know, 80, 89 up until, what, what did The Simpsons come out? 89? Yeah. Up until like 2008, 2009? When did people stop watching Family Guy? Yeah, well, I was going to say once Bill Hader got into South Park, which, I mean, I know we all love Barry, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do I do there. mark Bill Hader's addition into the South Park writing staff as the beginning of the end for that show. Wasn't it right that, when they did that documentary, the 24-hour documentary? Yeah, I think so. I think that was exactly around Because he was in that, I remember, yeah. and thinking like, oh, that guy from Saturday Night Live is in... This, and I anyway, let's jump into the categories. Um, before sure. we get into our top ten, I wanted to do some quick like lightning round shit yeah. and go through a few a few just categories generally that like demarcate shows that maybe didn't make it into our top ten. Sure. Um. So why why don't we start with uh a category that I called, and I'm gonna have you start, Dave, if if that's sure. okay, if you're prepared. Or yes. I don't know if you're still writing your list or not. No, no, um, I'm ready. <laughs> so the first one is called The Abandoned, and these are those shows that start out really strong, but for one reason or another, they just sort of lose your attention. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there was a lot, with the glut of content you were talking about, there was a lot of that in this yeah, decade. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And uh, I'm just going to say for mine, I'm going to, like you said, lightning round, I'm going to go through all of them at once, yeah. because 
they all share a uh, a a running theme. And I bet I know what it is. Can I guess? Can I guess what it is? Guess the theme. Streaming service. Streaming channels. Specific streaming service. No, Netflix. Oh, just yes, Netflix. 100% That's, okay. Netflix. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things, Ozark, Glow, and the OA. Uh, all shows yeah. that I loved at first. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll ever get back to them. You know? It, well, you know, you're only, hurting, you're only hurting yourself by not finishing the OA. The OA was Oh, I, I want to. I loved the first season. It was so good. You know, for me, mine are um, uh, House of Cards. I'm kind of in line with you for a few of them. Like uh, a lot of a lot of my shows were Netflix or streaming shows. Um, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black. Uh, well, actually, just a couple. It was House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. The others are Rick and Morty. I've kind of fallen off the whole Rick and Morty thing. I, mm-hmm. I liked that at first, and you know, I don't know. I, maybe it's the fandom that kind of turns me off. Yeah, it, uh, we've talked about that on Bird Row before about yeah, how yeah, awful yeah. the fans are. The, it's just like <laughs> it's like Fight Club. I, yeah. It's something I love and every single other person that loves it, I hate them. <laughs> um <laughs> Showtime's uh this kind of passed under the radar and it was a show that maybe is again an example of a show that 15 years ago if I told you that there was going to be a 30-minute comedy on Showtime starring Jim Carrey uh produced by um by uh 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 what's his name the french guy uh michel gondry you it would be like what the fuck oh my god i got that's appointment viewing but this show kidding i watched about six six episodes of it i think it came back for a second season didn't finish the first season never i forgot so much about that show that i forgot to include it on the shows i wanted to watch and didn't get to like that's how much (laughs) i forgot that show existed and i wanted to yeah i wanted to watch it so bad you know a freaking eternal sunshine reunion of course i wanted to watch it likewise 15 years ago or 10 years ago let's say 10 years ago because it's a good helpful demarcation for the decade if you had told me like oh they're gonna make fx is gonna make an incredible uh well-written fact-based uh version of the wire but in la mm-hmm. i would be like i'm in but i watched almost the fir- first season of snowfall uh on fx haven't finished any of it and i think they're like four seasons into that show i'm never gonna prob- i'm probably never gonna watch that again <laughs> yeah. and then a show that started out truly the last one that i have is a show that started out truly incredible one of the best seasons of television i've ever seen preacher and uh mm. on amc and that show just lost me in the second season, and it did not get me back in the third season. Hmm. Um, yeah, I so heard it's great, but yeah, it's I've the never first seen season. It, it just watched the first season. That's really all that's worth it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to throw in that I completely abandoned during this decade is all every news comedy show. Every like <laughs> John Oliver, Daily Show, Colbert, which is not a thing anymore, but like. Even things that are like serious news, like Vice, The Circus, yeah, Bill Maher, which is not serious as comedy, The Weekly by the New York Times, all that whole thing, that whole genre, if you would have told me like, oh, that's going to be a booming thing, I would say, oh yeah, I'm going to be there for that. But specifically just in the last three years, I've completely lost my taste for all of that. Uh, yeah, it is the last few years. And I mean, it's since, you know, politics has gotten fucking insanely terrible but uh but yeah i did watch uh the circus and bill maher like pretty non-stop like for a while but now i can't even i can't even get through it anymore (laughs) dave our next category real quick we're gonna hum through them 
is uh, the outmatched, as I mm-hmm. call them. These are shows that are basically um, they. We were aware of them. They looked great. We really wanted to get into them, but there was just no way that we they were ever going to find a spot in our yeah. uh, rotation. So, what do you got? All right. So, my number one, the biggest show that I really wish I had gotten a chance to watch um, is Search Party. Uh, so oh, many, yeah, you missed out. You so missed many out. people I love are involved in that show, show, and it just seems like it would be so great. Uh, another one is Escape from Denimarin. Uh Also, The Denimora? Leftovers. <laughs> Escape from Danamora? Is it not called Denimarin? <laughs> no, it's Danamora. I guess a, I should have. It's thought. a prison in upstate New York. Yeah. I was so certain that that's what it was called that I didn't even look up to make sure I spelled it right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just like uh, this uh, Escape from Denimarin. <laughs> Uh, also, The Leftovers, um, Barry, which I only watched like three episodes of, and I wouldn't really consider that an abandoned because I go back got to Barry. It. Yeah, Barry, Barry is really rewarding. Uh, so far, of everything on the list, I would say go back to Barry. Also, Mindhunter, which I watched the first episode with you while I was in Florida. In Philly, and, yeah. yeah and, no, or, we yeah, were in Philly. That's when we watched yeah. it, and in and I, room, I really enjoyed sweet. that first episode, but just never got to like really get into it. Um, and then Incredible one show. more I'll, I'll mention is I'm Dying Up Here, which uh, I actually read that book. I, <laughs> we know I don't read books, but I read that book, yeah. and I'd love to see how they uh, did with it. Which is the, uh, the Showtime comedy that um, outlines, I guess, the early days of the, the, comedy, uh, store. the comedy store. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is, like, it's like, it's close to reality. It's not exactly, like, the woman isn't the same woman. Like, the woman's name isn't Pauly Shore's mom's name. They, like, right. change the names or something, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For me, um, it's going to be a bunch of shows that I'm real, relatively sure you've never seen. Um, the BBC and Netflix had a show called Top Boy, which was The Wire, but in uh, in London. Which that sounds like incredible. a phrase that you would just say like yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. I would love to watch this show. I probably just never will. Um, Kevin Bacon was in a show that started this year called City on a Hill that looks incredible, which looks like sort of an extension of... Um, of the departed kind of it's like a boston based crooked cop who done it type show never even uh, heard of it. looks awesome it's just, i'm just never gonna watch it power i always wanted to watch power it looks mm. fun it looks crazy it looks maybe a little overly serious which i like out of a show when yeah. it takes itself too seriously it's got 50 cent and yeah <laughs> so uh the shy which i think is also a showtime show and that is just about life in Chicago and mm-hmm. living on the South Side. Better Things never got into that. I would have totally loved to. I, I think Pamela Adlon is incredible. Yeah. Um, Pose I heard is one of the best shows that's on television. And um, again, it's something that I'm into, which is like subculture, New York, 1980s. I'm into that whole, all that stuff lines up for me. Yeah. Never saw it. And then, like any time. Anytime as a capstone, every once in a while, someone will tell you, Oh, you got to watch this, and it's on network TV, and there's just no way I'm never right. gonna watch it. Another right. fucking thing on network TV. Every yeah. once in a while, people will be like, Oh, you got to sit down and watch Community, or you've got to watch, um, I don't know, uh, I don't even know what the show, the, the, the herbalist or something, I don't know, and it'll just be like, that No, I'm not ever, never gonna watch this shit. Not in a tr- fucking trillion years am I gonna watch that. I kind of oh, wanted to sure. watch uh, the two shows that were uh, with actors from It's Always Sunny, um, just to see if they were any good in these other shows. AP but, Bio apparently yeah. is pretty good. Uh-huh. AP Bio is like one of those that is lining up to have its own little quirky audience, I've heard. Yeah. 
Again, another one where people are like, oh, you should watch it. The Mick was from, I like, I saw a few scenes of that and it was not good. It no. was bad. Yeah. And there was no writing. There wasn't any writing. It doesn't like, it surprise was just, me. It was just Caitlin Olsen acting out, which like, she's super talented and she's fun hilarious, and funny but... and one of the best, but yeah. Okay. Uh, the next category is pretty self-explanatory. The hate, you hate to see it. Yeah. What are your hate watches, Dave? Okay. So uh, I kind of told you this ahead of time when we were talking, I, if I don't like something, I am not going to continue watching it. So I really only have one for this category, and that is The Affair, which just wrapped up its, its five-season run. Uh, yeah, it, and I, I will say that the uh, series finale was not too bad. It wrapped it up pretty well. Uh, but starting season one was great. Season two was pretty good. Starting from season three, it was just the worst horseshit show. It was yeah. every episode. Yeah. It was like if you go down ep- like the episode list, every single one of them was trying to like squeeze in this like social justice warrior stuff that was totally out of place, and uh, and like the stories would just go in these strange directions. It would you know it did the whole um, two sides of every story thing you know since you know episode one oh, for like accusation like me too stuff yeah and it but it would go into wow. like characters Bold. that weren't even Bold in the move. show oh it was just it was crazy it was just it was so bad so poorly written so like all over the place and uh we watched it right up until the very end for some reason <laughs> so but, my yeah. my hate watches were um girls which was a good show and i, like I girls. Just didn't like watching but i watched all the way to the end I have The Affair as well, which turned into a bad show, and mm-hmm. I kind of, I dropped it. I didn't watch the last season. Um, mm-hmm. Outlander, which was a, a great show, but it was just like, it was just something like, there's a lot of rape, a lot of really, really mm-hmm. bad rape. And the, also, like, all of the characters live in, like, ever-present, da- like, mortal uh, jeopardy of being raped. Uh, like, it was a show where everybody could be raped at any moment, and I just couldn't stick with that. Um uh, a couple that I actually really love, Ray Donovan and um, Billions. I actually love these shows, but they just make me so annoyed and like, these shows are so dumb. Why am I into this show? And uh, I wanted to new... watch Ray Donovan, but I never got around to it. I don't. I can't picture a world where you would watch. Ray no, Donovan. me neither. Um, I could picture a world where you would watch Billions. That actually has some absurd humor that you and I would probably. At least, even if it's not intentional, like we would kind of be into it, we would watch that mm-hmm. um, in an altered state or something. Uh, the newsroom was unwatchable, and somehow I watched it every week. I don't know. It had to be a product of like what else was going on. It, like there must have been nothing else on at that time, right? Right. And then again, another one from the like realm of like, oh, your character might be raped at any moment. The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> okay. I just it, like. Like, oh, that's oh. a good one for this category. Because I watched that with Gina, and I feel kind of the same way about that one, where I'm like, I don't want to watch this show, but I still watch it week after week. I watch it, and I'm like, oh, like a thing is like slightly going well for her. And I'm like, oh, let me guess. Yep. Sh- she gets raped or and, beaten or and then she's gonna shot. St- and then she's going to stare at the, at the camera right until the uh, credits so roll up. Every like, and, well, how, can, how can you blame her? Same yeah. fucking thing every episode. Um, so on the topic of disappointment, mm-hmm. our next category is the womp womps. Mm-hmm. And those are shows that were like really big disappointments to us. What do you got? I got nothing for this one. Seriously. Really? Because yeah, because I, I can't think of a single show that I started and then stopped 
like, and yeah, I mean, I just really can't think, like, I think I knew going in, oh yeah, I'm gonna be into this show. Like, I only have a few. I only yeah. have a few. One would be that show, the show that was, I think, produced by and directed the first few episodes by, um, uh, by Cameron Crowe called Roadies, mm. which had I about I think, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it was one of the Wilson brothers, and uh, it was just it was about Roadies. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I'm dying up here. I gave that show a shot. It was dog shit. Um, Luke Cage was a show as uh, that's I, I don't really have a lot of superhero shit on my list because mm-hmm. there's mostly not really much good superhero shit out there. But Luke Cage was a show that I had hope for because that's a really cool character, and I actually liked that character when he was like guest starring in a lot of shit when I was uh, when I was a little kid into comic books, and um, they just they made him so inert and like they made him like just this rock in the middle of the show that didn't change and was always exactly the same and was always right about everything. It was just boring. They didn't like do anything interesting with the character. That's funny. Uh, For some then, reason, I thought you liked that show, but I guess I maybe. liked it, but I was really disappointed in it. It was mm-hmm. like a huge disappointment. Gotcha. Um, and I'm one of the few like Marvel completionists where I watched all those fucking series and yeah, yeah. I expected I kept expecting them to build up to something, and they just kind of never did. Um, I and then bits luck, and pieces. luck we've talked about before is a show that was incredible. Like again, if I had told you that there was like a a show that was going to be who was like it? Terrence I told Mann. you Michael Mann. Uh, um, if it was like Dustin Hoffman, Michael Mann, Dennis Farina, uh, you know, fucking Nick Nolte, it all like this all star list of people, David exec, oh, produced by David Milch, that's who it is. Mm. Um, and uh, like if I told you that that was going to be written by David Milch, if I told you that that was going to be a TV show, not a mm-hmm. movie, a TV show, everybody would lose their fucking mind. Right. Instead, they killed a bunch of horses at Santa Anita Racetrack. And had to cancel it. And uh, I don't know. It, it was like, it was okay when it was on. It was pretty what good. What a mess for that to happen. What a Jesus disaster, too. Um, <laughs> oh what are your honorable mentions? Let's jump into our top 10, but let's hear some honorable mentions again, just rapid fire. From okay, I'm going to rapid fire because I have 10. I, I just okay. I just wanted to just I have a bunch, too. I'll just, I'll just I'll blurt, blurt. I won't too. describe them. People, if you're listening, you can just go look them up if you want to know more about them. But... Boardwalk Empire, At Home with Amy Sedaris, Love, American Crime Story, both the OJ and Versace ones, Master of None, BH90210, which I actually loved, uh, Blunt Talk, Crashing, Broad City, and Girls. Wait, BH90210, Beverly Hills 90210, the show? Yeah, it was like a one season that got canceled, but it was like okay, a, uh, okay. it was almost like a cross between like a Curb Your Enthusiasm, like, you know, kind of thing with an actual new season of Beverly Hills 90210. We should also right now take a moment to explain our methodology, right? These are shows that are, as we talk about our honorable mentions and then all these previous categories and, um, and uh, the best shows, the top 10 that we're going to get into, these are shows that are all self-contained within the 2010s. Oh, like, yeah, so, that's important. So there's no Breaking Bad on this list, uh, on either of our no lists. No Always Sunny. No It's Always Sunny. No Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. It so, had to start in 2010 or later. January 1st, 2010 or later had to be yeah. the first episode. Uh, my honorable mentions, I'm going to go down the list as well, Workaholics and Broad City, which is kind of like a two-hander those shows sure. used to show next to each other they're fucking fun shows to watch um i've i should say my own personal methodology right now as i bring out these two shows that are super special to me but 
probably would never appear on any top whatever lists of the decade. My methodology, and maybe you can say a few words about yours, just the shows that like made me the most happy and that I was most into, into watching. Like mm. and that might seem simple, but I think that that lists like these tend to get muddled up with things like, oh, this was groundbreaking, or this was the first of its kind, or this was incredibly filmed, or the writing was unbelievable. And like all of my, I'd like to think all my shows have those elements in them and whatever, all the picks that I picked. But yeah. the, the, the ultimate thing is like, you look at Workaholics and Broad City. I just had fun watching those shows. They sure. felt good to watch. You enjoyed them. I, you know, I am definitely not, my list is not uh, something where I'm trying to say like, these are the best television shows produced. Like I'm trying to right. say these are my favorite shows. That's what right. it comes down to. Like 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 a TV critic would probably look at my honorable mentions list and see that I have Workaholics and Broad City, but not Fleabag, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're a philistine," and it's right. like, "Yeah, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I liked Fleabag. It wasn't one of my favorite shows. Like sure. that's it. So still hustling right down. We mentioned BoJack Horseman already. Mr. Robot, I loved. I actually debated putting that in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Lady Dynamite, Leftovers, Halt and Catch Fire, which was a really was probably number eleven. Halt and Catch Fire is what Halt and Catch Fire was. Um, Angry Boys, uh, trying not to have too much recency bias. That was <laughs> incredible. I see the look of confusion on your face. I don't know. Incredible. What the hell that is. Incredible <laughs> show. Uh, maybe that's our next hang show. The next time okay. we hang, that yeah. might be our next hang show. From like, I think it was two seasons, 2010 and 2011. Okay. Um, or 2011, 2012. Vice Principals. Uh, did not make my list, but is nonetheless incredible. Big Little Lies, really, really good show. I loved it. Westworld, yeah, it Westworld is stupid as shit, but also really smart. And I just, I look forward to it every, I don't know, every every week that Westworld is on, I look forward to watching Westworld. Barry of this new world of like comedies that aren't funny, but are like sad. Right. Like Barry <laughs> might be the best one. Right. And High Maintenance, a show that's just really important to me that I my my wife introduced me to a few years ago and i think um i want to just want to say one thing about high maintenance high maintenance high maintenance might have had my favorite moment of television in the last 10 years it was an episode that they produced right after donald trump won and uh there was the there was a running theme throughout the day high maintenance follows the guy right have you seen this show or no i no i don't think i have so high maintenance follows the guy. The guy is the main character and his name is never, he's never named. He's your guy that brings you weed in uh-huh. Manhattan. And he's on a bicycle. He, you know, he, we, we, we see these vignettes, these short, you know, windows into these people's worlds. Uh, and, and the, the episodes are really driven by um, this, this cast of, of people that you never see again. It's uh, not rotating because they're gone. Like you, the only commonality is the guy, and um, there was one of, and you you meet his entire social circle. He's a pot dealer, so he uh, he knows a lot of people, and um, it's it's a brilliant show. It started out, started out as a web series, and I think it was acquired by HBO at some point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of the HBO episodes was um, after Donald Trump won, and it was the least treacly and cheesy and indignant like 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 liberal type response it was a it was it followed a character during this show who was a um an immigrant himself and had all these concerns and like was at most at risk 
for what had just happened. And the interesting thing that they did was they never came out and said during the episode what happened. People mm-hmm. were just in this stunned state of shock through the whole episode. Like, can you believe it? Can you believe this happened? And you just knew what they were talking about because it was Manhattan and they were all acting so, yeah. you know, ridiculous. And it was a dour, sad episode. And at the end of the episode, um, the guy is with, I think it's his little brother or maybe it's his son. I'm not sure. And they're on a train and you followed them for the day and seeing like how they live, how poor people have to live in their existence. And this long train late at night that he has to take with this kid out to, you know, probably the edge of Queens or like, you know, like uh, Long Island City or some shit like that. Right. And the kid is just dancing and singing. And... I don't know. It was just this, like, really moving, touching scene. It was the best thing I saw on TV. That's for you. Take it. It sounds like a good show. Great show. Totally recommend. Totally. Uh, let's jump in. Yeah, let's do it. Why don't you go? Our, why don't you start with 10? your number ten first, and All then right. I'll jump into my number ten. All right. So uh, number ten. Uh, I, I don't remember if you watched this or not, uh, but it was a show on Showtime uh, created by David Crane. Uh, it was Episodes with Matthew LeBlanc. Which, oh, I love that show. Yeah, Great show. I, I loved it. And it was the maybe the most surprising thing of the decade. I mean, I would never have expected that to work as well as it did. I don't think anybody really did. And uh, it, it was just such a great mix of comedy. Of course, the whole Curb Your Enthusiasm style, uh, you know, uh, you know, method of, of bringing a real life personality into the show, but with a little bit of a heightened thing. And and I, I just think yeah, it he was like dialed up. Way. It was Matt LeBlanc like dialed up. Yeah, to he's, he's what everything you, what you, you imagine in your head. Yeah, the fictional Matt LeBlanc is like yeah. Yeah, and and it did a really great job of as much as as much as he is such an asshole, and the main characters are such you know kind of assholes as well. But you kind of wanted everybody so badly to like you know get what they wanted and for everything to work out for everybody. And it really, I mean, it's great that it made it. It's you know full five seasons. It had like a really great full story arc. It didn't go too long, and it it wasn't cut off too short. That's a really good pick. Right on. Um, my my wife and I watched that show. I mean, going back to before, I think before she was my wife, or hmm. before we had a kid, for sure. Yeah. Um, we love that show. Uh, my number 10 is an Amazon series called Catastrophe, starring, starring uh, Rob Delaney, Sharon Horgan. Uh, it ran from 2015 to 2019, like episodes. Um, a really smart, funny comedy that also ended on its own terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was four seasons long. It told a story of Rob Delaney's character on a work trip in London getting this, you know, British woman pregnant. Hey, so great to hear from you. I'm pregnant. I don't understand. You know, we had sex about 25 times in a week and you wore a condom maybe twice. Why did you let me do that? And then what comes next? Like, they just had this week-long fling, gets her pregnant, 
and then what comes next is their life and rob delaney has inserted a lot one of my favorite celebrities by the way rob delaney and he oh um, yeah he's great I, I think a lot of people will know him as who listen to the show and don't know who rob delaney is will probably know him as peter from deadpool 2 right um, yeah <laughs> but uh he's just a hilarious comedian and a great comedic actor and he was also the he and sharon horgan also wrote the show uh which i think some people might not know it was this like kind of the height of that like comedy with notes of drama but also like hyper realistic there was a lot of his own story in there being a recovering alcoholic um having actually moved to the uk uh you know it was a uh, it, it was just a great show um and really light i think 25 or 26 episodes of television bbc style 28 minutes apiece yeah, I hadn't actually heard of it, but I like aside from you talking about it a couple of times, but uh, it, it sounds great, and I do love Rob Delaney. So, yeah, Rob Delaney's hilarious. Who's your nine, Dave? Number nine is something you had in your honorable mentions. It is Lady Dynamite. Uh, the oh, Netflix series is just just absolutely one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, created by Mitchell Hurwitz and. Uh, Starring Maria Bamford, and, and again, as a heightened version, but an extremely heightened version of herself. Uh, it is a shame that this, this one show was, was cut made. Short. That this show can get made. Yeah, should I know. say, even though it only lasted a few years, it should say enough about like what a golden age for television it is. Like, yeah, a lot of garbage gets through, but there would never have been a world where this show could get made. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely best case scenario would have been in the early 90s on MTV or something like that. Right, but, right. Yeah, like, but this was definitely the craziest thing I think I've seen all year, well, all decade, I mean. And uh, some of the supporting cast, uh, Fred Melamed, I mean, it's some of the funniest things. That... <laughs> He's great. <laughs> He's so fucking good. But Maria Bamford, I, I've always loved as a stand-up, and, and it's great that she got a chance, even though it was only two seasons, to, to do this show. So my number nine is a um, a show that nobody saw, and it is a very underground, uh, I think still available out there. You can find it on HBO Digitals. It, it didn't actually air on television. It only aired on HBO Digital Platform. Oh, I think I know was, what this is going to be. You showed it to me. This is a show called The Boring Life of Jacqueline. Uh, yeah, you, sh- you showed me a few episodes of this, didn't you? This, yeah. This, yeah. this is... One of the most subversive and hilarious and real shows that's ever been made. They're only about 20 minutes apiece, I think. Um, there was only one season. It ran in 2012. But it was very much this like proto version of, uh, of what would become this like the girl in the city, but girls can also be pieces of shit too genre. Mm-hmm. Which we talk about like Broad City and girls, but that became like a big thing. It was sort of like an empowerment thing, but there's nothing empowered about this character. Jacqueline, who's played by, who's played by uh, uh, the actress's name is Jacqueline Jonet, who hasn't really gone on to do very much since the show, unfortunately, but is incredibly hilarious. Um, Michael Sarah is in the show, uh, some other lesser known actors. It was produced and written, I believe, by Mike White. Who oh, really? would go on to create a show that was much more popular, and but you could tell that this was sort of his sketch for that show. That show was enlightened on HBO, starring Laura Dern, which yeah. is a great show. It's I should have put that list. in my honorable mentions. Actually, that was great. Yeah, enlightened with Laura Dern came out a couple years later, I think, 
and you can see what he was trying to do. Mike White is a guy who, I think, uh, I mean, I'm not a woman, but he seems to understand women incredibly well. He makes put women puts women at the center of a lot of uh, what he writes. Look at this run for Mike White, by the way. Mike White hardly ever talked about, but starting in like 1999 for like sh- sh- the kind of shit that you and I like, Dead Man on Campus, Orange County. The Good Girl, School of Rock, Nacho Libre, and Year of the Dog. That's a fucking murderer's row, dude. Hell that guy yeah. is prolific as hell. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Such so an odd boring. If you liked any of that stuff, or if you liked any of that genre that emerged after 2012 of like, you know, we're girls, but we can also fart, and also we're kind of fucked up, but, you know, but that that's funny. Uh, if you like any of that, if you want to see the best version of it. Uh, check out The Boring Life of Jacqueline on whatever HBO, digital, wherever you can find that. Yeah, that that show was great. I actually completely forgot about that. You showed it to me one of the last times you were in Vegas. You were dying. I'm sure you yeah. were laughing your ass off. It was great. It was really funny. Uh, so I will go to my number eight, which is something I'm guessing is probably on your list as well, and that is HBO's True Detective. Oh my God, um, True Detective is my number eight. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all three seasons. I I know a lot of people really hated season two. Let's but, talk about this. We're both. Yeah. We got a little bit of time. We can air it out a little bit here. We yeah. both have number eight as True Detective. So like, yeah. Let's jump in. Season one, we all agree on. Season three, we all agree on. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Season two. Yes. It's fantastic, man. I, I mean, I thought it was great. Vince it was Vaughn's LA Noir. His it best was over performance the top. ever. Yeah, and, yeah. and Taylor Kitsch, amazing. I, I, and of course, freaking Colin Farrell. I mean, seriously, everybody at the top of their game, and a really interesting story that you just really had no fucking clue where it was going to go. And it, I mean, there's no way you could watch that that show that season week after week having any clue what was going to happen. And I mean, that's was what you want it... that show to be. Was some of it incoherent? Sure. Maybe. Did some things like never get called back to? Yeah, for sure. Was some of the writing a little stilted? And was Colin Farrell particularly the fucking lines they gave this poor guy to read? You like to bully kids? Ass, pen. Hold on, what is this? You 12 years old and you're already evil as fuck. Hey, oh, you get tough. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Stop! 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 I thought that got you off, kid. Seeing people in pain. If you ever bully or hurt anybody again, I'll come back and butt fuck your father with your mom's headless corpse on this goddamn lawn. Twelve years old, my ass. Fuck you. Colin Farrell. I I love Colin Farrell on this show. I mean, I I seriously. That's when I fell in love with him. He's one of my favorite actors because he's about, such a weirdo. There's but. a scene where he bought his son, the fat little boy that just disappears halfway through the series, yeah. and then he leaves the, the, the voicemail for, spoilers for season two of True Detective, I guess, <laughs> leaves the, the voicemail for, but never it never goes through where, where to believe. Um, but there's a scene where his like dweeby son is being bullied, and he's questioning his son like what happened like wh- what what did they do what happened to your shoes there was a little thing happened last week boys what happened what happened 
to your shoes. Ray, goddammit. They took his shoes out of his gym locker. And what? What, shit on him? They, they cut him up. That's it. Crazy. They shit at them? <laughs> the kid looks at him like, what? Why would they? Why would that be a thing that happened? <laughs> weird. So weird. Enough said about weird. season two. I honestly, my my theory about season two and like why it was less perfect and more rough around the edges and uh, messy and a little incoherent is that I truly do believe that this guy Pizzolatto, uh, the the uh, creator, the showrunner, the, mm-hmm. the in a lot of cases, the director, one of these guys that takes on probably too much, um, took on too much. And right. he lost the incredible talent of the director from season one, whose name was what, Dave? Uh, Kerry Fukunaga. Kerry Fukunaga, yeah. yeah. And, and tried to really impose himself on every element of the show and probably, I mean, I think you can tell by the story that he wore himself he he spread himself too thin uh but it still turned out so fun and tony it was that la noir that i really love the it was part heat which you know whatever yeah that that's the thing anything it's missing story-wise it makes up for with tone and performances you know everybody in it is so good and the tone is so perfectly spot on and drone shots uh (laughs) so (laughs) um seasons one and three what what can you say? Yeah, I mean, classic. come on. Season three came out this year. Season one came out way back in 2013, and all three incredible. Here's a, here's a quick question before we move on. If it had stopped with season one, do you think it would be higher in our lists? No, no, no. It might season, not be. Season on my one list. on its own is without like... season three. Without season two, held yeah. its ground. Yeah. Season three put it on my list. Okay. Without the season three, it's not on my list. It's it's. Okay. It's too good. That was that was. Yeah, too I, good. I love all three of them. I mean, I think I think season three is fantastic, but season one is like such a monumental thing within this decade. But you know, that's the only reason why I ask. All right, so we both hit hit our number eight. You go to your uh, number seven, then my friend. Sure. Uh, number seven is uh, Fargo on FX, uh, which and Fargo this is, is Fargo is number four on my list. Okay, but so, uh, which is. It. It's so weird for it to even be on my top 10 because I still haven't seen season one. I actually bought it <laughs> and I haven't watched That's it. That's ridiculous. But of, I know. But of course, this is a, uh anthology, ser- An anthology series. series. But, that uh, does have connections. It is yeah, in the same right. world. There are connections. And, and, yeah. and, and there's definitely things for me to, to find out from that. And when I finally do get around to watching season one, I'm going to go back and rewatch two and three. But two and three on their own, though, especially being the anthology that is... Uh, are two of the best seasons of television to me of the decade. Um, and, you know, Fargo as a property, I mean, it's absolutely insane that it works, uh, that it's, uh, that, that you would take the classic Coen Brothers movie and create a TV show in that world and with that, that, uh, that tone and that, that just styling. And for it to actually be worthwhile, I mean, it says a lot about, you know, what Noah Hawley's, uh, you know, been able to accomplish with this thing. We're going to get to, I think we probably, there's another show that, that is like this that we probably both have our list, on mm-hmm. our list a little further down. Um, I'll be surprised if I'm the only one with it. But Fargo is in this category of shows that, again, it shows the strength of this decade of television where they've reinvented the way things are done, where I call the category... There's no way that that's going to work. And then it right. does. 
Like, right. there's no yeah. way that you can tell me you're going to greenlight a television show based off of this movie and that it's going to that it's going to be good. It's going to be so disappointing. There's just no way it won't be. And yeah. then season 1 comes out, incredible. Season 2 comes out, one of the best seasons of television ever ever made. Yeah. Uh and season 3 comes out and is almost as good. Yeah. And is just killer. And uh yeah, the, I have it further down on my list. Number 4, it's got a great revolving cast. It has a a, a great progress progressing cast yeah. where some characters who are in their 20s or 30s in one season are in their 60s or 70s in the next season uh great callbacks thematically what they talk about like the concepts of the the way that they deal with mortality and with like the just like the sort of absurd fleetingness of life and mm. the the different uh messages that they that that Noah Hawley's trying to convey i think hit on this really profound level and make you i mean it's more than just saying like, oh, it's deep. It's like there's there's a philosophy behind this show. Yeah. And in the same way that there's a philosophy, no matter how much they say that there isn't, there's a philosophy about the world, a through line in all the Cohen brothers' work. Yeah, I was there, about to say there's books about the philosophy of the Cohen brothers, you know? And yeah. so it, it's uh it it is surprising, but at the same time it shouldn't be surprising that the show taps into some of that, you know. So my number seven show is Game of Thrones, which is the most basic bitch shit that anybody has on their list. I was wondering if, I, I didn't stop to look it up, but uh, if this had started before 2010. So this was after 2010? 2011. Oh, wow. 2011, okay. Season one, which notoriously problematic, or not problematic, that's the wrong word, notoriously troubled season mm. one, almost didn't happen. The episode, the pilot almost didn't happen. Um, people will remember that Game of Thrones was like almost canceled on the block because they, the, the pilot that they, it was like one of those things I've heard it described where like the pilot was just like 15 degrees off to the left and it just wasn't right. right. And they made them go back, do very expensive reshoots. Everything on that show was expensive and that was before it had a budget. And I mean, like you had to, be filming in three or four different places and this enormous cast and um anyway it was one of the shows that and I, a million people have said this before me but it is one of the last examples of monoculture probably right. ever right. there will not be another thing that we all watch on there, think about how sad that is i know there's never going to be another thing that we all watch on sunday and the next day we're talking about it with each other it's never going to be that way I know. I, I was actually just uh, thinking the other day about how great it was during Boardwalk Empire. Like that—that that was the last time for me because I didn't watch Game of Thrones. But and that show had a had a tenth of the viewership. Oh yeah, I'm of, sure. Of I'm Game sure. But it seemed like everybody was talking about what happens the the yeah. night before every Monday. Even so. Yeah, but, and uh, also Game yeah. of Thrones starting in 2011 and going extending into 2019 was one of the animating forces sort of bridging the pre and post streaming era. Like mm. when that sh when game of Thrones came out in 2011, if you missed a show, if you missed a showing at nine o'clock, you were pretty much in a situation where you had to wait. Some people I think had on demand or whatever. Like I had Xfinity at the time and we had an on demand service that was like very unreliable and it didn't really work that well. But mm. it was not the world of streaming yet of HBO Go and HBO Max or whatever. Right. And all the other streaming services. So if you missed 
the show at nine o'clock, like you were fucked because uh, your friends were going to be talking about it the next day and you right. weren't going to be. And what's funny is the Game of Thrones, I don't think it really hit that gear until 2013. Mm. It wasn't that ubiquitous show until the the Red Wedding uh, season and episode specifically. But um, yeah, so I don't imagine Game of Thrones is on your list. You didn't watch that show. No, I, I never got into it. You know, I the, the truth of the matter is that uh, the first three Lord of the Rings films really just wore me out when it comes to medieval, you know, action of that, you know, that kind of style. And I, I haven't really gotten into anything that is like that since. No. <laughs> so I don't I don't know what else there is to say about Game of Thrones. I mean, it was just a cultural monolith and yeah, the it was last huge. of its kind and. No question. Um, for a lot of time that it was on, it was the best thing that ever was on television. For a lot of the, a lot of those episodes were, te- like, there won't be a height surpassed of the writing and just the concept of, like, people talking in a room being elevated like that. That's the difference with great television versus great movies. Great movies will never rely on that two or three people talking, having a conversation in a room that changes everything and moves everything. And that was this incredible power that Game of Thrones had. Mm-hmm. The writing uh, was unsurpassed because of the source material that they were pulling from. Right. Um, of course, as they passed the source material, the writing nosedived <laughs> and became just dog shit. And uh, I, I don't remember. I always try to joke around. I don't remember what the season was exactly where they passed George R. R. Martin's books. I think yeah. it was either season six or something like that, or five or six. But everybody was saying like, oh, well, season premiere, let's see what they do now that they've passed the source material. And there was a line where Tyrion said something like, I don't think so, bitch, or some shit like that. And it was just like, okay, yeah, they, they're they not going to be putting a lot of money into the into the writing. The writing is oh, going to be bad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, okay, this is what this is gonna be. I guess we're just gonna figure out what these dragons can do. And that was like, it stopped being like a morality tale and an exploration of identity, and it stopped being this like multi-layered, like really, really tasty thing that you could sink your teeth into on all these different levels. And it became, it became just like, what are the dragons gonna do this week? And that's yeah. that's fun too. Like, what are the dragons gonna do? I, I want to see, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. What's, uh, what's your number six, Dave? Number six. So this is a show that just came back like a week or two ago, and I haven't started the new season, but it is HBO's Silicon Valley. All right. Uh, of course, we've talked I about I love Silicon Valley. Not on my list. Not on your list. Okay. No. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's just so funny, so smart, and... While, you know, some of the last couple of seasons have definitely, uh, the quality has gone a little up, a little down over the last, you know, I don't know, two seasons, I'd say. Uh, those first few seasons, I mean, were just freaking on fire. It was, every week was so freaking funny. Uh, the main cast, as well as all the little side characters, everybody's great. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how this is the final season, I believe. I, I hope yeah, they wrap it, is, it up it well. So hopefully I things I gotta catch up on last out. week's episode. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen any of it. Actually, I think I still have the season finale of last season that I haven't watched. So I gotta catch that first. But this is, we're we're all over the map on like what's an abandoned show versus a top ten show. Like I know, on. I know, but I don't think that counts as abandoned. That just means that I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm nine months late. That's all. 
as we get to episode or to entry number six for me at least, I just want to lo- draw a line of like demarcation where, like these shows now are shows that are super special to me that I think sure. are like really really good and um just were super powerful. Yeah. And show number six for me, like there's there's a line there. Like I'm looking at my top ten, and these four shows that I talked about before are all really really good shows that I really loved. Good enough to be my top ten. But this top six six are like where you really get into the stuff that that affected me. Sure. So number six for me is a show that was called Lodge Forty Nine. And this show was canceled. It was on AMC in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. An actual real mystery show. A drama, a comedy, all those elements, funny, clever, like kind of a kind of a mystery box show where you like uh it's also it's a show it's also a show where like you don't know what little things are and what these Easter eggs mean and you f- try to figure out how to fit things together. Um, but it was also an, a mystery, like an old school style mystery. Mm-hmm. But it was also a show that handled the concept of philosophy, like just the way that you think about the world and the way that you interact with other people who think differently about the world um, better than a billion other shows that have tried to just like surround that same real estate. Mm. Lodge 49, if I were to summarize it, it was just a show about a character named Dud who was played by uh, Kurt Russell's son. Yeah, Wyatt Russell, who um, I think, I don't know, I don't know where people would know Wyatt Russell from. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, He was uh, in Bridget Goes West. I don't know if you ever saw that or not. No. I'm sorry, not Bridget, Ingrid Goes West. Oh, he was in, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know Wyatt Russell, absolutely. Yeah, and he was in Overlord, uh, which he was great in that. He was in, um, I think other people might remember him from an episode of Black Mirror that was, I think, the one that came out in, like, 2016. He was also in Everybody uh, Wants season. Some. Yeah. Yeah, I he was in Everybody Wants that. Some, yeah. Um, so, great, incredible performance by him over the course of two seasons where he played Dud, this sort of um, wounded, metaf- metaphorically and also literally, wounded, uh, wandering beach bum who was just sort of trying to figure out life and taking life as it came, who stumbled upon this lodge that was like a, you know, like a, I think a lot of people thought that it was supposed to be like a, something that was darker, more sinister, like a, um, you know, like a, uh, like a secret society type lodge. It wasn't, it was one of these more like traditional lodges that is like a, um, uh, God, I don't even know what the real words for them, what, what the real versions of them are. Mm. I guess Lions Club or Knights of Columbus type shit, you know, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and he stumbles on it. He's by far like one of the younger people to get involved because in, in the lodge because it's mostly um, it's mostly older men and some women that are involved in it. And their quest to save this lodge in uh, in uh, in Long Beach, California, turns into this deep mystery about the machinations of like a secret society that's running the world and. Uh, it's just tender and it's smart and it's fun and I looked forward to it every week. AMC canceled it, unfortunately, um, right when it was getting really, really, really fucking good. But number six for me is Lodge 49 and I urge everybody, even though it got canceled, totally worth it. Go watch that show. Right on. Well, I will go to my number five 
which I have a feeling is going to be on your list somewhere, um, and that is uh, Donald Glover and Company in Atlanta yep. on FX. Uh, honestly, two of the best seasons of television of the decade. Uh, every episode, just so so many just groundbreaking episodes <laughs> where i mean some some of like what where they do you do, start there's yeah, so much yeah. i know like we could seriously talk for an hour about some of our favorite episodes like there's we could so talk for an hour much. about just like teddy perkins we could talk for an hour about <laughs> seriously i could talk for an hour about <laughs> about the scene in a restaurant or in a, in a fast food restaurant where they say that he can't have the kids meal because that's a real thing yeah and like and being broke <laughs> you learn those things. Like that's a real thing that somebody who wrote that was broke yeah. at one point. Like yeah. that's a real, like incredible. Uh, Atlanta is number two on my list. So right on. Yeah. We, let's chop it up. Let's talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I mean, Donald Glover, of course, was already well known for his music, at least, you know, within the hip hop community. But I mean, such a talent. Well, millions and, and millions more people knew him from the community show though. That was like one of the most true. popular shows. I always on. forget he was on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I mean he was known for a lot of things then, but pretty well. But known. I mean, I you know who wasn't known was uh, Brian Ty- Tyree Henry, who is and now like he the, is huge. He's the biggest everything. star in Hollywood now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> He's like in every every movie. Absolutely. Uh, also, Jaja Beats. Um, yeah. So in so much stuff now, Lakeith Stanfield. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, one of the fellow writers who's starting to get like more. He's not really doesn't really get more more parts. Is um, the guy who actually plays Clark County? Oh, look at this dude. This Clark County dude. He making money, hey, man. Hey, a flex on the bitch like. I just got a chat like. Haters gonna hate like until they see me in the face and they all like. Saw your baby mama like. And then it's in a home with a good night. Bars in his hands like good night. And we drink you who like a dirty sprite. Yeah. I hate this shit. He's one of one of the creators and writers. <laughs> and apparently he's a partner of. Um, he's like one of. Uh, I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head, but I can't. He's one of the like key core writers. He's like the what's his name from the Eastbound universe of uh, the uh, Jody, Jody Jody Hill. Hill. Yeah, yeah. It's like you never really see him, but yeah. he's like one of the key people that. Yeah, he uh, apparently is, is. I could I could talk for an hour about the scene with the producer where he like <laughs> he basically tells them that they tells uh, like um, who is it Brian Tyree Henry's character and uh, Lakeith Stanfield that they have to leave. Because they're gonna basically kill the producer that fucked up the recording and didn't arm the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's too much to even go into specific scenes. Teddy there's Perkins. I much. mean, like, there's so much shit happening. Every that song that is written for the show is. I will amazing. say that my favorite thing that my favorite thing uh, uh, about Atlanta is in an era where. Um, I don't want to spoil any other shows that are on either of our lists, but there was an era that was tipped off by one specifically groundbreaking show that turned into a um, a genre of complicated funny men mm-hmm. who everything bounced off of them, and there was this like uh, internality about like everything that every, the way that they interacted with the world, and the assumption was that the show would be funny, and the shows were funny. Uh, but they also were uh, like complicated and dark and sad in some ways. Atlanta was different and subverted that. It was the next in line in that, and it also literally in terms of time time uh, uh, time slot on the network that it was on. It was literally like the next in line 
of that type of show, but chose to be Donald Glover chose to make it a very external show where his character, while you experience a lot through him, it was mostly things bouncing off of him around him. Right. And he, he was, I think wise in not trying to redo that, that formula and to make the whole show, the Donald Glover show, what's going on with, with, uh, with, uh, with his character this week maybe we can spend an entire week where the most we see him is on a phone call for five minutes and then he's not around. Mm. Maybe there's this talent that will help, you know, a guy like Brian, maybe Brian Tyree Henry is the kind of talent that can take entire episodes at a time and make them all about himself. Um, Maybe there can be really, really, really good flashback episodes, uh, which other shows have done too. But um, anyway, I think Atlanta, brilliant show, number two on my list. So I, I've actually nice. forgotten where we're at. Where are we? Uh, well, that was my number five. So we're okay. So five? my number five is yet another two season cancelado. <laughs> Did not make it. Uh, Amazon's again a show that is super important to me and that I really really like and that I'll probably rewatch every year for a long time. The marvelous Amazon's, Mrs. Maisel. Amazon's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. No. Um, Amazon's The Patriot, created by Stephen oh, Conrad, yeah. directed mostly by Stephen Conrad, which follows the uh, misadventures of John Tavner, who also goes by John Lakeman, who is a intelligence officer that's uh, got a lot of things going wrong for him and is perpetually exhausted and is just always tired. Um, it has some themes that really resonated with me, which were uh, some of them included like just the propensity for things to fall apart and not work. Things just always fall apart and don't work. Things that are being, that you're being assured of by other people will be there for you. You know, in many cases, like Tavner or Lakeman has an, an extraction plan or support lined up from his, from his agency. And it just doesn't turn out to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, This show is not God. It sounds like I'm describing Homeland, and it's so <laughs> far away from being that. It's just this quirky, weird, thoughtful, slow, quiet um, uh, rumination, really on on intimacy and male intimacy mm-hmm. specifically. It's about men being friends, and like uh, yeah, it is pretty male focused. Honestly, I gotta say it is, um, but it's done in such a healthy and interesting and smart way uh such a tender way i really loved it and funny just a fucking funny show um the patriot yeah that is my number five show and um came completely late to it by the time i started watching it it had already pretty much gone into the uh into the realm of cancellation like it was it was a known it was it was being room there were rumors flying around that it was going to be canceled by the time Mm. I, i binged it my wife and I binged all of it in like a matter of a month or two. And uh, it's just an incredible show. It's, it's one of these shows that it's hard to describe because you hard, it's hard to know what you're watching when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. I, 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 I honestly thought it. you might have it at number one because how you've talked about this show in the past. I know how much you love it. And If uh, there were yeah. two more seasons of The Patriot that uh, were the same level as the two seasons that exist, it could be my number one show. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. The next four shows are great fucking TV shows that I really yeah. love. You take the next four TV shows and show them to a TV critic and put Patriot in with them, and it's going to be a one of these things is not like the other, right. where it's like, what? What? Is, I don't. I don't. I, I heard about Patriot, but I didn't even watch it. That was the big thing. Everybody was talking about how like, oh, they've heard about it, heard good things. Uh, yeah, got to get to it, and not enough people got to it. Or that I don't sucks. know. I honestly don't know how, how Amazon makes decisions because Amazon Prime, as a vertical, has to be a fucking loss leader. There's no way they're making money on Amazon Prime right. Video. Yeah. Like that's yeah. not something they're making money on. That's just like a the, the the my understanding is that the business model of Amazon Prime is supposed to be, oh, we know that you watched you know seven episodes in a row of The Patriot, so we're gonna sell you. Uh, action figures of the Patriot or something like that. And like, that's the way that all this shit is going to work. Like with Apple, right? The Apple streaming platform, it's supposed to lead you into more hardware purchases. The Disney platform is supposed to lead you into more uh, experiences and rides and movies. Like you're supposed to go to the, you're supposed to go to the next uh, princess movie that comes out. Right. And the toys and shit. Right. And that's, that's why I do think that, you might get your wish one day and see Netflix get destroyed because Netflix is only content. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is buoyed by a larger business model. I don't, so that all that is to say, I don't know why Netflix, or I'm sorry, I don't know why Amazon Prime makes decisions like canceling a show like The Patriot, um, but it's, it's a fucking injustice. It's an injustice. The show was, nobody was doing or, or writing or saying the kind of things that were being done on that show. And the themes that they were exploring, unreliability of 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 uh, people who you rely on, um, the way that you can be alone in life, no matter how much mm-hmm. support it looks like you have, how people can be. I think my favorite theme that I think is underexplored and that is most pertinent to what's going on right now in the world and specifically in our country is loneliness. Yeah. And nobody talks about loneliness enough. And to have a show that explores characters who are truly lonely but not in a two-dimensional, easy-to-write kind of way. Like, oh, he's sitting on a bench and he's sad. But, like, really just despairingly adrift, like, without anything to hold on to. And experiencing their life. And for this character, uh, Tavner Lakeman, you see the way he goes about with this, like, reckless abandon in his job, this brutal really brutal inefficiency of the way he fucks up constantly. He doesn't have enough that he's connected to. Um, even his like imagined utopia of like moving away with his wife is something that I think only feels like something that he thinks he's supposed to want and doesn't actually want it. So uh, yeah, Patriot watch it. All right. And you know what, before I go to my number four, uh, I just want to say I don't want Netflix to uh, to die or anything like that. But, <laughs> <Liar>. uh, <laughs> so my my number four is uh, Better Call Saul, a show that had to have been a major gamble for them to take the chance uh, to actually do something like this. Of course, there's been spinoffs in the past over the history of television, but I don't know for a show as. I, well, I guess I guess there's been ones uh, off of shows that beloved before, but I mean, just r- so soon after it ended, after Breaking Bad ended, and with a character that nobody would have really expected for the uh, for the series to carry on with, 
and then for it to work so incredibly well. And you and I have talked about this before. I know we're kind of in the minority on this, but I truly do believe that Vince Gilligan has become a better uh, writer, better show creator. And I mean, I think that this show is better than Breaking Bad ever was. Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. Um, yeah. Right now, four seasons in. I think Breaking Bad only made it five seasons. Uh, intentionally, it's not like anybody canceled Breaking sure. Bad. Yeah. Um, it, it had five seasons of story to tell. Um, I think it's on hiatus right now. Better Call Saul, I, I think it was like... I don't remember when the last time they did a season was. Better Call Saul is number three on my list. Oh, um, right on. Yeah, it's coming yeah. back this year. It's coming back in February, I think. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Um, the, the, the depths of the character of, of Jimmy, as we've come to know him during these, these four seasons of television, surpass, uh, anything that Gilligan did on Breaking Bad. I agree. Um, it surpasses the, the tenderness and the interesting nature of what this like uncouth kind of dirtbag lawyer, what we thought he was heading in, um, to this series based on what we learned about him in Breaking Bad, are so much more interesting to me than the descent of Walter White, the like unmasking, I think, is the way that you would describe Walter White, because sure. Walter White, I think what we were meant to believe about Breaking Bad is that Walter White was always a villain, and he was always uh, uh, what Heisenberg. Right. He always was that. There was just a chemical reaction that was waiting to happen mm-hmm. to make sure. him be that, right? Great. I'm no. I'm not here. I'm not coming to. Sh- I'm not coming here to shit on Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's right. one of my of favorite all time shows. Absolutely. Better Call Saul's better. It's a yeah. better TV show. Um, technically, it looks better. Like he's a better shooter now. They right. found a right. way to make the life of this lawyer and the life of this ex cop security guard turned henchman and the life of this uh you know this struggling woman lawyer. They found a way to make that mid-2000s trip through Albuquerque look more beautiful and more mm-hmm. compelling. That, and the things that they do with the camera, the, the tension that they're able to build within scenes that, he's, and, that Vince Gilligan can do. And the, speaking, think, speaking of that, the, the production design is so authentic and, and perfect for that, for that setting. You know, it's just unreal. incredible. Yeah. Um, I think of some some standout scenes. I mean, there are so many standout scenes in that show, but a couple come to mind. One is um, the way that they build like this dull tension leading up to the uh, I think her name's uh, Rhea Seahorn, her character mm-hmm. Kim. Uh, the way that she's she has a car accident at one point, and the way that they build in that scene to her actually kind of falling asleep at the wheel and causing this wreck yeah. is so deftly done like it's so well done and it's just like it's not shock and it's not like a lot of car crashes on tv or movies are like rely on on just suddenness right and this is not that it's like there's a gradualness to it that is incredible and then there's a scene where after the death of his brother um chuck uh Jimmy is put in charge is one of the several executors of a, uh, a a charity basically like to recognize or to empower give a scholarship to <clears throat> upcoming law students and he goes through this um with other lawyers who are far more successful and have better pedigrees than him in this law firm he goes through this vetting process with a bunch of candidates and we see a 
sort of a montage of all the candidates, right? Do you remember the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then there's a scene afterwards where they're all very well qualified, but one comes from like a lower socioeconomic background. She got in trouble when she was young. These are all like 18-year-old kids, and this one got in trouble when she was 14 for shoplifting, but then went on to have all A's and B's. And Jimmy makes the plea for her to be the one that gets the award because she's the one that can do the most with it. Because I think he sees himself, we're led to believe, it's clearly shown that he sees himself in her. And uh, because he's a bit of a 'er ne'er-do-well, kind of a scumbag. And she doesn't get it. And he catches her out on the sidewalk. And the scene that I'm trying to share here is him, that I'm giving context for, is him just kind of grabbing her by the shoulders and telling her, You were never gonna get it. They're not going to give it to you? So what? You're going to take it. And you are going to win. And the higher you rise, the more they're going to hate you. Good. You have to understand, the people in that room are never going to accept you. And they're right. never going to let you in. But you know what? Fuck them. Because we're better than them. Yes. And we're smarter than them. And we're going to take all their money. And did you, did gonna... you cheer when that happened? Yes. I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh, oh my god. That was one of my favorite scenes of television of all time. It was so good. It was oh, so god, moving. And the girl, I don't know who she is. Young actress who's like yeah. supposed to be 16, 18 years old. You see her like go from why is this creepy old guy bothering me? And then kind of like, what is he talking about? And then acceptance and then like like nodding her head in agreement like yeah okay okay yeah. he like he sells her he yeah. sells her in that moment you know then... one one last thing about the show before we move on to the next one um but you know the both of us coming from a background of just sitting around drinking and watching alt comedy all day you know <laughs> during our 20s how great is it for bob odenkirk to Get incredible. A chance to incredible do something that Bob like Odenkirk this. is like this well-respected. He also had a TV show that came out this year called Undone that I don't think you got a chance to see. I did not, but I I heard about it. Incredible TV show, and it's so funny because he's still funny. Yeah, and he's still like quirky and zany or whatever. He's been you, in some movies too. He was in that uh, Spielberg movie. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's great. He's great, and I love that he's getting this like second act as a good actor that gets to be still funny a little bit. You know? Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, his career has it's it's great that his career turned into this. It's so good. <laughs> and David Cross, both of them. Like I, oh, I love yeah. that their careers turn into this. Uh so yeah, what is your number two? Because we already talked about my number two. Uh well no, my number three I gotta do. Or your number three. Yes. We've talked about my number three, that's better call Saul. So tell okay. me what your number three so, is. My number three then. Now I, I for a little bit, I was thinking about not including it because of recency bias, but I absolutely had to because it's it's where it belongs. Uh, it is Danny McBride and Jody Hill's The Righteous Gemstones, which <laughs> is the best thing that's happened all year. We all know that movies are my thing, but right. this is above movies this year. This is my, my number one thing that's happened this year in any form of entertainment. Uh, it, it, it is just the most incredible show. It is... There are so many incredible moments. It is, I I, I just can't so speak fun. highly enough about it. It's 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 a it's a variety show. It has like <laughs> dancing and singing. The teacher said don't, but I said it anyway. Misbehaving. Preacher said no. If you do, you're gonna pay misbehaving. Kicking and spitting and cussing out loud. Running through the house with a pickle in my mouth. Like I mean, the world building where they where they show you the world of this 
ridiculous compound and this and like yeah world building is a great like phrase to use for this because yeah there's so much it's so rich with so much and then of course you get the back you know backstory episode and which fills it in even more and i mean it's just so rich with character and i everything is just it's a great show on its merit and then you add in two words walton goggins yes and they just <laughs> a treasure or, a or three words treasure. uncle baby billy uncle <laughs> baby he, billy freeman <laughs> there's nothing funnier that happened all year than just a character being called uncle baby billy this, i would actually really love to watch a document like a feature-length documentary of him showing up the first day to get makeup and <laughs> <laughs> to get turned into this character. To get turned into Uncle Baby Billy Freeman. Oh, um, my God. This show does not appear on my list, but it might be worth it for me to explain the Danny McBride, Jody Hill universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the important... Like, <sighs> these guys are a victim of their own formatting on my stupid list that they're never that none of those guys are ever going to care about. But I have to explain why my probably my two favorite creators of television in the last 10 years, don't appear. Number mm-hmm. one, technically, Eastbound and Down came out in 2009 sure. and lasted up until 2000, I think, 13. It yeah, had four that's seasons. that's why it's not on my list. Eastbound and Down would have been maybe number maybe number one on my list. It was, no show made me happier and made me laugh more than Eastbound and Down. No individual has made me laugh more than Danny McBride in mm-hmm. this decade, if you count movies, if you count everything. I've probably laughed more at Danny McBride shit than I have at anything else absolutely um vice principles was incredible but it was only two seasons it was really mm-hmm. short and it was the least of their three shows and then yeah the other one is only one season in so like if i could have melded all those shows together into a show it would have been the defining show of this decade right. i would say the defining comedy of this decade that nobody else has been able to figure out that Danny McBride has is the understanding of the of the of the American mind. Oh yeah. Of what Americans are. Of like the simultaneous stupidity and know it allism, the contradiction, you know, like where you know, Americans just think that they're the smartest person. Every one of them thinks they're the smartest, most capable person in the room, but is also just profoundly stunted and incapable and uh and and and, uh like crippled by feelings of inadequacy can i just really quickly interrupt you because so here's the thing um my i'm gonna break order my number two is vice principles so that's why i want to actually just get that out of the way so So that way while we're having this conversation let's talk about the let's talk about the 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 what do we call it the jody hill verse the 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 danny mcbride verse yeah i guess so the extended universe of these southern you know most of it happening in north and south carolina in the carolinas where i think danny mcbride is from yeah these three shows we can kind of take them as 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 one right because they were the outgrowth the outcropping of what we uh what we thought of as like the best comedy of this of like it was it was the growth out of that um like there was the mumblecore and there was the jed apatow shit of like all of the of the the late 2000 aughts or whatever and it turned we were like okay well what's this going to turn into because that this is going to get boring and old and that's kind of what it turned into. It turned into like 
Danny McBride and Jody Hill. Yeah, well, you were just talking about like that, like the 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 section of these just kind of like broken men, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. like white men are in a place right now where they don't know what the hell to do with themselves. They're and so fragile. Yeah, they're, they're fragile. They're, they just... And the, these shows, better than anything, dig into that and that, 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 thing, that, that thing that's happening in the culture right now and do it in such a, a perfect way. And, and the thing about Vice Principals to me and the reason why I put it at number two instead of three, they could have almost been a tie, the two shows, but because it's a complete story. And I mean, they did say that, that they intended it to be a two season show. Like that was the yeah. arc. And, and so the fact that it's a complete story is why I have it one step higher than which, uh, which than they actually, Simpsons. they actually also said about Eastbound and down. Right. They at, always seem to get what they want. Apparently. <laughs> well, no, but they even said they only wanted to do two seasons of Eastbound and down. Right. And they were talked into the third and the fourth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll find out what happens with gemstones. We're getting a second season and I don't know if they've actually explicitly said how long they want it to go on, but, uh, I mean, what they're saying with these shows is just, I, I think it's great. I think it needs to be said. And overall, it's just so fucking funny. <laughs> I will say the one, my, my one thing about Gemstones is that as the season went on, mm-hmm. I think that the comedy got better and the performances were, as they got deeper into the characters and you got to know, like you didn't even really know what baby Billy Freeman was when you met him. But by the end of the season, you were like, Oh, that's so baby Billy. Like you yeah, knew him by the Absolutely. And Judy. But I will say that my, my only criticism, <laughs> my only criticism of the of of the show is that they were dealing, I think, with some very big themes at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And they had mostly abandoned them in favor of like kind of goofing around mm-hmm. by the end of the season. They had introduced this concept of like accountability and abuse of authority and um what you can believe and what a huckster is versus somebody, you know, like confidence, like gaining confidence and, and, uh, mass manipulation. They have these really big ideas they were playing with that they by and large gave up on around the flashback episode. And I feel, I feel like they it became more of a family drama. It became more just about the family, which is fine. They Mm -hmm. were fucking hilarious. They were so good, but you know, I think it's always under the surface though, even in those later episodes. And it's, I, I, I want to, I I definitely want to believe that it's going to be coming back to some of that stuff in the next season because definitely they set it up and then they wanted to get into the family stuff. That that is what became more important. You're absolutely right. But I think it's all going to continue to come around. You know, I think they, I think they knew ahead of time that they had the time to work on it. So I think we're at our number one shows because we've talked about everything else, right? Yeah, because your number two was something I'd already said, right? What was it? Which, if by 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 virtue of this show not being mentioned yet, I think we both have the same number one show. That would be crazy if that's what it is. I'm going to be actually very surprised. Um. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we say it on three? You ready? All right. One, two, three. The Tonight Show. <laughs> Wait, hang on a second. No, that can't be right. Wait, this isn't right. There's no way your your number one show is Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Wait, how how is that possible? Wait, how you haven't even mentioned? I can't believe this. I this is my number one show, and you did not mention it. I, I'm, the number one show of the decade is Louie. 
Louis, first of all, came out before 2010. Came out in 2010. No, it didn't. I, I'm, I'm now. I now I'm doubting myself. It might have to be Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It says 2010 here. Oh my God, you're right. June 29th, 2010 was the premiere. Have I blown your mind? Have I? You have blown your my mind. List? For some reason, I thought it was 2009. Yeah, I was including it Where with Breaking Bad fit? and It's Always Sunny. Let, all right, let's let's give Kimmy Schmidt its moment in the sun. I love that show a lot. It didn't make my top ten. Uh-huh. Um, it probably should have been an honorable mention. I just forgot it. Yeah. Um, I felt like for me, I'll just say Kimmy Schmidt. I felt like it got just so punny and too rapid fire towards the end in the last oh, it's, couple. It's, seasons. it's perfection. It, it is but, absolutely it, n- nothing. No show made me happier this decade than unbreakable <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt. T- uh, <laughs> Titus Andromeda is the best character outside, outside you're, of you're Uncle Baby selling Billy. me. You're selling me. You're <laughs> selling me. Right now, it I did just, make me really happy. That show, it's it's the. Best. I definitely liked that show more than I liked Game of Thrones. Why is it not there? And and, and also, I mean, the fact you know, I I have my issues with Netflix, but Netflix gave me four seasons of this show. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, so at least I I I, I always have I'll have a love hate relationship, I guess, with them. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is is my number one pick, but. Yeah, you're kind of blowing my mind right now. And also, another thing before we talk wait, wait, about... wait, let's not let's not leave Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt yet because that's okay. a great show. I probably should have had it in my top ten. Now that I think about it, uh-huh. it made me at least as happy, at least as happy as Catastrophe. Like I right. loved it. It was a hilarious, fun show. Made me. I mean, like the very first episode where she's introducing herself to her new friends and she describes she <laughs> describes herself as a mole woman. She says, <laughs> "I was a mole woman who was." Kept underground by a uh, by a psychopath for for fourteen years, and before you ask, yes, there was sex stuff. <laughs> like, that was such a fucked up dark. Like what the fuck? That was like the closest I've seen to Strangers with Candy, and I mean the show shares a lot of DNA with Strangers with Candy. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. You know, uh, and I I just wanted to say uh, before we get on to talking about what you want to talk about with Louie, and we definitely will talk about it. Uh, but as we were going through our list, something I hadn't written down and absolutely should have been in my honorable mentions, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, oh, yeah. That should be in your uh, Obviously, list. the show did go downhill a little bit uh, in the last season. Uh, we never got the ending that they intended or anything like that. But if nothing else, after 20 years, I finally got an hour in the first episode, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Bruce Campbell of more Evil Dead. So. If nothing else, it deserves its own special shout out here in our conversation on the number one. So, <laughs> so uh, my number one is Louie. a little show that was called Louie that ran from 2010 to 2015. Technically, I looked it up. It's technically like also like like Atlanta. Both shows are technically on hiatus right now. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so That's what they like, call it. <laughs> whatever that means. Um, obviously, this show comes with an insane amount of baggage today. Yes. Uh, Louis C.K. in real life, um, there were shades of who he really is in the show. Uh-huh. He didn't really hide it. And we found out that he's kind of a really, like, not even a funny piece of shit, but a real piece of shit. And uh, in a lot of circles, especially the circles where, like, comedy matters, like L.A. and New York, he's probably still a pariah. Mm. Um, Bears noting, like, he did not break any laws, obviously, but 
he was a fucking nightmare for women to have to work with. If like that's what women had to deal with to be around him, it's disgusting and repugnant, and he deserves all the scorn that he gets. I think you would say maybe he deserves like ninety five percent of the scorn that he gets. <laughs> um, so he is very much. Uh, if you were able to divorce him. From like there are the two strains of the Me Too. There's the like this person should be in prison and under watch, and then there's the like this person is kind of a piece of shit. Um, he is the Uber text of the Me Too conversations on that side of things. He sure. is the the main avatar. Whereas Harvey Weinstein, again, I hate to put his name in with a bunch with with somebody who was an actual you know yeah, person rapist. who sexually assaulted people and broke the law. Yeah, and, but um on that on that that side of the end zone, right? Where on this side you have people who broke the law on this side you have people that didn't people yeah. who like really committed assault versus people who were just real real creeps and scumbags. Louis the most prominent, I would say, of that. Yeah. That side of it. Um unlike others, I think that it's gonna stick with him. We've already seen some people who obviously Louis uh made an impression on and who who copied Louis, like uh, people who like like Aziz Ansari, um, sure. who have sort of started their rehabilitation because again there wasn't really that much to rehabilitate. They didn't do anything illegal, but like they were still pieces of garbage, right? So and like creepy in their own ways. So the show though was groundbreaking, and you can't take that away. I don't care what Hell no. what happened. Uh, yeah. This he did things with this show that no one has done since. Very few people tried to do. Um, there was a was... moment dur- during the uh, the final season of it where it, it basically could just be whatever it wanted. I think there was wasn't there like a two yeah. hour episode and then there was a ten minute episode. <laughs> like, there was a there was whatever. a random dub- there was a random double episode where they just made they just made it all flashback and the star was Jeremy Renner just for two episodes. <laughs> They just had Jeremy Renner be the star of the show for two episodes. Oh, that was a uh, good one. Um, as the guy that gave Louis his first like drink of liquor or something like that. I kind of want to rewatch the show now. Although I, I wonder how difficult it's going to be to watch. Knowing this show, you know, absolutely, in my opinion, it birthed the like the the genre of a comedy that's not a comedy. Yeah, um, definitely. It, it's still that genre is still having a huge moment. I talked about a lot of shows that are like that. Uh, well, you let's be about honest. A lot of shows. Almost everything is either Breaking Bad or Louie. Atlanta, Love, Master of None, Marin, Crashing, Baskets, Better Things, Barry, Barry, yeah, definitely Barry, 100% Transparent Barry. in some ways. I mean, like these shows. All that I said, Master of None, right? Yeah. Yep. These yep. shows all like sort of owe something to Louis. If not for anything else, then guaranteed that all those shows, most of those shows at least, in the pitch room, the people were like, well, it's like Louis, but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a Pakistani kid. You know, yeah. it's like Louis, but, uh, you know, it's three black friends in Atlanta. It's but like Louis, but. It's Pete you know, Holmes. Yeah, but it's Pete Holmes. <laughs> oh, um, and to this day, as much as I love Atlanta, 
uh, and a bunch of those other shows. I, re- I actually really like Master of None. Master of None does oh, I love Master some of really None. incredible yeah. stuff. It was on my honorable um, mention. I think that that shows, again, another one that's like on hiatus and is probably never coming back. Yeah. Um, but Louie did it better than all of them sure. in those five seasons that they gave that show. Uh, I know it's a complicated number one pick, but watch those five seasons of television and show me something that was better. I completely be my, my agree challenge. with you. Completely agree with you. And yeah, I, I swear I I thought that show was pre-2010. That's why I didn't even include it on my list. But yeah, I mean, it, it may very well have been at number one for me as well. I mean, definitely in the top three, you know. I had a little wrap-up that I wanted to call the, I don't know if you saw this or not, uh, the, the Let Me Get Back to You's shows that are like literally just kind of starting out. And I would say like in 10 years, they might be, or five years from now, if you do like a mid-decade break, there might be shows that I, I really love. Yeah. Um, some of them are, are pretty well-known, like um, Succession. It's a fun-ass show to watch. Righteous I, Gemstone. I, I love the theme to uh, Succession. It's great. <laughs> um, Succession, Righteous Gemstones we mentioned. Los Spookies with uh, Fred Armisen is an incredible show. Never it's, seen it. Uh, it's about 75% in Spanish, so it's a lot of subtitles for you. For you. I can uh, not for subtitle me. here or there. Okay. So, uh, strong recommend on Los Spookies because it's right up your alley. It's that same kind of humor that you and I love. Um, a different type of humor, but one that I really appreciated nonetheless. Black Lady Sketch Show. Wow, that's a funny-ass fucking show. Only mm-hmm. one season in. Black Monday with Don Cheadle. Uh, that's a great fucking show. Um, on Becoming a God in Central Florida. Incredible fucking show. That's, that's another show that comes close to what Lodge 49 was doing where it has things to say <clears throat> and it's saying them in a very weird and interesting way but the only thing I really want to call out the guy Stephen Conrad that made um that made The Patriot has a show that completely flew under the radar this year hoping that it comes back so this is a show that was probably I would say the best show of last year of 2019 it stars Ben Kingsley on fucking television, Dave. Ben wow. Kingsley. Uh, Jimmy awesome. Simpson, Luis Guzman, Damon Harriman, who's having a moment right now. Um, Jackie Weaver, a lot of great actors and actresses. Uh, again, created by Stephen Conrad. The name of the show is Perpetual Grace LTD. You and I have mm. talked about the show before yeah, yeah. in different contexts. Um, if this show makes it three seasons, it'll probably be my favorite show of all time. And uh, it's on a channel called Epics. Which, yeah, I know. Good luck fucking finding it. Um, somebody needs to, somebody at HBO needs to snap up Stephen Conrad and just like open up his fucking head and figure out what story he wants to tell and give him a Watchmen style budget to, to, to tell it. Um, I think what he has to say about this is another show that goes back to what I said about, uh, what I said about. The Patriot, it talks about loneliness. It talks about desperation a lot. It talks Mm -hmm. about like what you do to try to make up for lost time, what you try to do for makeup to make up for mistakes. The the lies we tell ourselves about how we can fix things that we fucked up in the past. Um, lots of big themes, lots of fun, crazy, crazy scenes with Ben Kingsley just like just talking shit to people and beating the hell out of people and uh yeah. Uh, I don't want to ruin the plot. The plot is part of the magic. It's part of the fun. 
And so if you can find it streaming on Epics, I think you can find Epics as like one of those sub channels nested in Amazon Prime. Go watch it. What do you got for some, um, let me get back to you. Is there anything you're watching now that you think might be good later? Honestly, I've been watching nothing but movies lately, especially with piecing it together. Like I'm watching more movies than ever. And I, the only thing I've watched is Righteous Gemstones twice through. <laughs> That's it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I got nothing for this category. Well, I don't care that you don't. I no. don't. No. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Sound and Vision is the name, with movie trivia being the game. The theme-based weekly wonder where you, yes you the listener, can play along by guessing the films we're throwing at you by deciphering our cryptic clues. Join us while we break down movies in a way that only me and my weekly guests can. Come and find us on all platforms which podcasts are available and get your pop culture fit. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Q, the Bird Road crossover, and I hope you check out Bird Road. Like I said, he's been posting a couple of uh, solo episodes he did, but we are going to be recording one this weekend, a a classic old-school Bird Boys episode, which will be a lot of fun to do. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it'll be fun. And uh, also, I want to give a shout-out and a little apology to my bear, Gina, who you guys heard on the special Piecing Dave Together episode a couple weeks back. Uh, she should have been on this one. Uh, she she really should have, because she watches way more TV than me. Um, I would almost say that of, of everything that was on my list... Um, at least half of those shows I wouldn't have even ended up watching if she didn't make me because she makes me watch a lot of TV. So uh, shout out to Bear, uh, Gina Mazzoni. Uh, you know, go check out GinaMazzoni.com for photography. <laughs> uh, I love you, Bear. She's sitting in here, by the way, right now while I record, and she's just, I don't know, she looks like she's mad. Well, uh, anyway, let's close this thing out. Uh I want to remind you all to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and on Podchaser. And uh, you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about on the show. And uh, what else have we got? Um, there's a Patreon. There's Tee Public with all our t-shirts. Uh, go follow Bird Road. It's on all the Twitter and uh, Facebook. And well, actually, it's not on Facebook. Q deactivated the account because he hates Facebook. But yeah, no need to get into that today. So let's leave you with a piece of music, like we always do. Um, this being a episode about television, I'm gonna play a library track of mine that has been featured on a bunch of TV shows. I'm not gonna list the shows off, but. Uh, it has been uh, used through some of the music libraries that feature my music, and it has been licensed before for a bunch of stuff. I think on like Investigative Discovery and some of those kind of channels. Uh, but this track is called Area 52, and uh, it's a, a dark, creepy thing like what a lot of my music is. So enjoy it, and we will be back with more Piecing It Together next week, including another one of these special episodes and another regular episode coming up.
and All Points West. 